0: Okay, what's going on, Ranger fans? Welcome back to the podcast, Every Ranger Goal. This is episode number three. I'm your host, Jake Alby, along with my other host, Coach Connell McNeillis. How you doing?
1: Good, man. Good. Not too bad. Just a uh, cold Friday here. Not fun. I, yeah. We some nice weather, and 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 then uh, you know some some rain and sleet and a little bit of snow some places. Yeah. I I I just want to golf. That's all I want to do. Yeah. I, it's I just, chilly today. It's, it's killing me with this weather. Other than that, I'm okay though.
0: I know. I was ready to go barefoot, um, but nonetheless, all right. Let's hit the uh, Le Sam Rosen autotune. Here we go.
1: Rangers with a huge win. Down nine, Rangers with a huge win. Wow, was that exciting?
0: Rangers with a huge win in Buffalo last night. They eek, eek, <laughs> out of victory in overtime, and Zabanajad shoots it home. How nervous did you get when they tied the game, Coach? I-
1: I mean, I was just annoyed. Like, I was really just annoyed. they played. They was I like couldn't believe they scored. I was just like, is this a joke? Like, like it was such a kind of a fluke play, and like the icing right before it. Um, and Kreider not getting the, the puck in the net. Yeah, I mean, look, they like dominated. They had eighty-two shot attempts uh, during the game. You know, forty-seven on goal. And, of course, we make Dustin Tokarski, you know, looking good, um, you know, our, our old nemesis from the 2014 yeah. conference final. I, I
0: cannot, cannot believe. believe he's
1: in the league still, which is good, good for him. Yeah, good for he him. didn't play too I bad. He, he was great. Uh, he was great for them. Um, I was, like, nervous uh, a bit, but, like, I don't know. I was just, like, look, I, the thing is, like, look once again, do, doing what I do for a living, when I see a game like that, I'm angry, obviously, as a fan a little bit, but I'm, you know, look at it from, like, a professional standpoint. They played – pretty awesome outside the, the second second to third period they dominate so i'm like you know 98 times on 100 they win that game you know six to two or something like that so it was just kind of fluky um you know I, I would have liked our chances in a shootout you know necessarily i don't like shootouts but if you're gonna go i'll take shisterkin and the rangers talent pool compared to buffalo's um but yeah a little nervous little whatever but look they took care of business and i guess that's really all you could ask for so
0: I'm t- I agree. I'm totally over the shootout. I think it had its run and it was, you know, it was new and exciting. It was fun and for a now, bit and
1: now I'm just like, I don't know. Give me like, I'd, I truly would rather just like, I don't know, seven minutes of three on three, eight minutes of three on three. And yeah. then honestly, just call it a tie. I it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. Like it just wouldn't bother me. So, exactly. If
0: know. they made it through the two periods. Yeah, exactly. Like even if they did three minutes of, of something else or, or exactly, I think you're totally they- right.
1: The AHL does that, or at least they did for a bit. I'm not sure they used to. I used to go – when I was at Syracuse, I used to go to a lot of AHL games, the Crunch, the, uh, the the Tampa affiliates up there. It was a lot of fun. So they would do, I think, seven minutes. Uh, no, maybe they do eight minutes. It was like three minutes of four-on-four, four, and then they go to three-on-three. Three. I'm not sure if they still do that, I got to be honest. Um, but, like, at least you would, like, extend it to try to kind of really avoid shootouts even more, and they still have shootouts. Um, I don't know. Just give us a little more three-on-three. Three. It's It's, you know – it's, it's, although it's proven to be like, you know, there's a lot more strategy to it now than it was the first year, even like uh Valaket said that in the broadcast last night, they're learning how to coach the three on three. And it's yeah. really about puck possession, um, you know, and just drawing them back out pretty much. Just if you can't score on a rush play, you just kind of come back out with it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I've been over the shootout for a while, I think. So,
0: <laughs> And some people really don't like that. The three on three is kind of like that. I don't know. Psych, psychologically. I kind of like watching that where, you know, it's, you know it works to your favor sometimes, and then we've seen the Rangers possess the puck the whole time, and then you know they lose the game. I can't remember which specifically, but what was the, I? Oh, I must have been the the Kincaid blunder with Panarin, where they had the possession yeah, the yeah, whole time, was, and it was just that one. The whole time,
1: then one giveaway. I mean, that one, was it last night. I mean, puck possession, like one shot attempt. Sabers come in. And the Sabres fumble the puck once, and Fox, as per usual, makes a great play, and they go up the ice, and, and you know, they're able to make two Royal Road passes and uh, bang it in. So, um, look, Rangers, like, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating because we keep talking about it. I think they're three, eight, and four now in one-goal games. And, like, even if they have two or three more wins there, like, if they're, if they're whatever – five seven and five or something like that like what a difference that makes in the standings i mean you look at it right now here jake they are three points out now the, the bruins have three games in hand. um if there's one uh you know kind of i'm looking at a big picture here look rangers have a better goal differential in the bruins um beating up in the flyers a couple times helps with that but hey yeah. pat your stats Pad your stats what are you gonna do um and, look, regulation wins, which is, a you know, a, a tiebreaker there. The Rangers have two more there, and regulation overtime wins. They have one more. Look, you're going to need some luck. I'm still not optimistic. I don't see it happening. But, um, you know, it's it's, it's a lesson to, to be learned here. They're losing some of these one-goal games, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, next year if they, they, they progress as a team and then maybe they add a piece or two um, – you win half of those one goal games, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're going there. Like they always talk in baseball, right? Baseball is a long season, 162 games. Uh, and of course, our Mets aren't playing this week, James. Like I was so excited, and now they're not playing all weekends. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, they always, they always <laughs> say in baseball, the good teams. It's a mess. It's a mess. Uh, typical <laughs> Mets baseball. Uh, the good teams are about 600 at home, and then they're around 500 on the road, right? Like that's the recipe for a good baseball team. So think about that. If the, if the Rangers. You know they have their their blowout wins and they're a 500 team in one goal games. They're in the playoffs. Like that's what it comes down to. So it yeah. shows you the margin for error is so small. So look and they they play the Bruins the last two games of the season. So you need some help. You you really look, folks. Like just saying this right now. Any. Washington, the Islanders, the Penguins, they're all out of reach. We're not catching them. And any time those three teams play Boston or Philly, or anytime the Devils or Buffalo play Boston or Philly, we are rooting for the other team. That's, that's the way it goes here. So <laughs> yeah, I don't care if you hate the Islanders. I don't care if you hate, uh, you know, the Penguins. You are rooting for those teams down the stretch here. And they helped us out a little bit last night. But still, a ways to go. You got to be happy with how they're playing, though. You know, that's really what it comes down to.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we, we saw last year that this team has potential to be serious and, you know, not, not just a bunch of kids. Uh, They, they play definitely way more mature than probably they uh, seem to be. DJ Zepi took a dumb penalty yesterday, but other than that, I mean, they don't have to, I mean, well, actually on this vein, on the, um, Kind of on the topic of responsibility, the Rangers traded but Brandon Lemieux last week.
1: Yeah, yeah. So people. that's
0: interesting. All right. So just real quick on that, what do you think about the traditional? I don't want to say enforcer, but I guess mm-hmm. Lemieux is an agitator more, nonetheless, but he became the fighter, right? Like the boomer kind of eye test people sure. are are always going to tell you, especially, you know, the older crowd. I was talking to my dad about this exactly mm-hmm. the same way, where he's like, I can't believe they traded Lemieux, you know, they have no toughness. And um, I don't know. Like what, where was, what was his role on the team? I mean, I think we kind of all collectively were like, all right, like Lemieux, he's here and it's fine. And he fights and it's good to have somebody, but you, and know, where do they go from here? Do they just, you know, do, do they just roll what they have? Cause they have a couple of guys who are clearly willing to fight. They have Buchnevich and they have yeah. Kreider. They have some guys that will do it. Even Strom, we saw in the, Strong, the playoff and, last year. And, and-
1: and Lindgren's a tough SOB. Look, it's... it's- oh,
0: Ryan Lindgren, dude. He's guy. becoming yeah, a Ranger fan it. favorite. And just... Oh, yeah. He is this little, little guy, right? And he's probably my age. But he's this little guy talking to Ovi just casually, Shut up.
1: Shut, it's Shut just up. Like, Shut up. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'd say back to Lemusio originally we thought okay the rangers trying to clear cap space they got kind of a log jam on the wing came out that he did request a trade uh nothing that like it was malicious or anything he just wanted a bigger role and look we saw the rangers have a ton of wingers and whether you guys want to hear this or not out there Rangerverse, uh the rangers are going to have to move somebody eventually and this is the first piece of the puzzle okay you get a fourth round pick rangers have three fourth round picks this year um you know just just stacking them going for the big one um but <laughs> look, he wants a bigger role. That's fine. I know he was never going to get it in New York. I think he's a fine fourth line player. He draws a lot of penalties, um, you know, a bit of a scrapper chirping, all that good stuff, whatever. I, you know, free up with some cap space. He wanted to go, whatever. It really doesn't bother me too much. Um,
0: yeah. How much does it, it really affect this kind of team? It doesn't that, affect
1: this team at all. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it clears up some room when they, you know, less decisions to make when they want to get Kratsov in the lineup here, but for my money, look, the NHL's moved away from – I don't want to see this kind of player. I think Lemieux kind of like that hybrid, what an enforcer, you know, agitator has turned into. Yeah. Uh, you're not – you know, because he at least could play a little – you know, he's not a terrible player. Um, Yeah. It's it, – but, look, we're moving away from that. The, you know, teams don't have, you know, uh, you know, Jody Shelley on the team anymore or, you know, rest in peace Derek Bugard, or, you know – Joey Kosher back in the day, like th- those those guys just don't exist anymore. Um, and you see, like the you know four skilled lines, like you saw the Penguins basically win two Stanley Cups that way. And you're seeing teams do that. And so, like you know, the quote unquote you know tough guys are kind of developing. Like you said, like Kreider's a tough guy. Ryan Ling was a tough guy. I look at a guy like you know Pat Maroon has won a couple cups the last few years. Like that's like what an enforcer yeah. is these days, a guy who could still contribute can still put up 20, 25 points, you know, can step up when he needs to, but like, that's what it's kind of developed into. So, you know, for, uh, for an older crowd, if, you know, we've been moving away for this for a while, like you kind of got to get used to it and you got to get over it. Yeah. It's the way the game's moving. People adapt. Like this is what happens and sports change. Right. Um, you know, look at the NFL and like, you know, every single year, it's like another passing record is broken because the game's aerial now it's not run and pound. Like we, we, have proven this and, um, defense in the NFL probably doesn't win championships anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like one of those, um, one of those things you just got to kind of adapt and uh, to quote Moneyball, one of my favorites, baseball season, adapt or die, baby,
0: that's it. <laughs> that's right. It makes me wonder, too, if Lemieux, if they expected him to kind of turn into something more offensively. Because any time, I mean, at least this season, it seems bit. like compared to his line mates, he, he didn't have as good at hands or even skating ability. So I guess uh, I, if he wants more minutes, that's, that's great. But uh, I, I ultimately, he never really produced that much with us. I don't know what he was really expected to be. Um, yeah
1: that's a good question right and no. what does he expect out of himself right um you know he's he's you know obviously has some some lineage with Claude being his father um and he was all, all, practically a first round pick he was uh 31st overall in the 2014 draft by the Sabres yeah, um that's so, right. you know, oh one pick out of being a first round guy you wonder if that has a little bit of, to do with name value or whatever it might be um you know he was a good junior player and yeah look he's I don't know he's he's Nothing special, and it's no disrespect to him. I mean, last year he had 18 points in 59 games. This year, 731. So, uh, yeah, look, he wants a bigger role. It wasn't going to be here. Um, and I think, you know, they're probably still going to have to trade one more winger down the line. Uh, we talked about, like, adding for, like, a bigger piece. It's whatever. Uh, it, it's fine. Good. I ho- wish him the best. Hope it as well in in, uh, in L.A. And uh, hopefully he gets a bigger role.
0: Yeah, and I think the Caps winning the Cup a couple years ago has uh, convinced all these GMs that they need a Tom Wilson type oh, player, right? So real quick to talk Tom Wilson. I just want to say that it's one thing to be like a villainous character. And it's one thing uh to be the agitator. You know, the fans were supposed to hate Tom Wilson, right? And you know, yeah. if you're a fan of the Capitals, you're supposed to love him. I get all that. Um and how about uh uh on NBC Sports right the other day the NBC broadcaster trying to convince you like Tom Wilson is a changed man, you know, after his suspension, but my thing with him is it's one thing if you go out there and you play hard, but to me, whether it's on purpose or not, I'm actually nervous that he's just going to injure somebody every time he's out there. Because every time he's finishing his check, but it's like a late kind of accidentally on purpose, you know, arms in the air. Oh, what did I do? He's just, he just plays the game dirty. And I don't know. I don't know if you can get any worse uh, with your reputation. And, you know, especially Carlo just got, um, I don't know if he's skating yet, even.
1: No, I haven't seen him come back. Look, Wilson's a guy, like, he obviously has skill. He was a first-round pick in 2012, and people were kind of, like, questioning that his first year, few years. He didn't kind of uh, put up points. The last couple years, he's been around, like, a 40-point pace, and this year he's got 23 and 27. Um, He's got skill, which probably makes it a little more frustrating. Like, like, obviously, like, the power forward role is what he does, but, like, you could do that without hitting guys in the head every – you know, he had that stretchery. Well, hasn't been suspended for a while, but yeah, you 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 said it before. Like, I think of guys like back in the day, like Patrick Coletta, always scared me because I just oh thought he was God. trying to hurt. He was just trying to hurt people. He had no other interest other than injuring somebody. So like a guy like that, and like Wilson's got more skill than that, and and, and you know even a guy like Marshawn's who. Um, you know, is obviously a very hateable character, but a heck of hockey, player like he's developed, like he realized like back in the, like, his first couple of years, he was racking up the PIMS. He was getting suspended. He's yep. kind of straightened that out to where now he's still an agitator, still pissing people off, but is, is more shot a clean player? No, but he's, you know, he's not getting suspended for headhunting every, every once a season, two seasons, whatever it is. So Tom Wilson, good hockey player. Uh, like I said, you'd love him if he was on your team, um, but he's uh, he makes you nervous. And that's, like you want everybody to play hard. You want competitive hockey, and is the you know the best players in the world. There's nothing worse than like whether you're at a game or we're watching on TV and you see someone get her for your team or against it. And with Tom Wilson's on the ice, you're nervous, and that's not a good feeling to have. It's not the feeling I want to have when. I'm relaxing on a hard after a hard day's work on a Tuesday night. And even if it's a non-Ranger game, if I'm watching a cast yeah. Bruins game and I'm worried this guy is going to just elbow someone in the middle of the ice and, 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 and hurt someone. And poor Brandon Carlo hasn't come back yet.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny because um going back to Marshawn too, you know, that you hate you, him and Frederick, right. Especially now they're mm. these hateable characters, but yeah, exactly. You're not nervous. Um Tom Wilson is, is probably going to inevitably do something stupid again. What's today's date? Today's April 2nd, 2021, 20, yep. something like that, second or third. So yep. uh, as, as of now, um, we'll see if that happens in the future. Maybe he turns it around like Marshawn will see.
1: Speaking of, you know, Lemieux, we talk about that trade freeing up. You know, some winger positions, like we talk about the log jam, right? Um, you know, Kako, he's, he's kind of taking a step up this year. I think we could see that. Had a good night last night. You know Lafreniere is a guy. You know, and so we'll we'll get into what a Rangers Twitter freaking out this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ice time is a concern. I'm gonna say this. I am. I keep maintaining we gave both of our points. We seem to be on the same page with David Quinn. He's fine. He's completely average. Um, I you know I do like him. Like I do like David Quinn. Um, and I talked about how practices are probably where he's game management's iffy. And you know we want to see Lafreniere get more ice time. I, I don't really think that's like a, a crazy. Uh, Standpoint right now, I saw from uh, today, it was sent in the blue shirt blogs, um, uh, Twitter exchange uh, uh, in our, uh, on Twitter there. So Alexis golf currently is on pace to have the lowest average time on ice for a number one overall forward pick since Vinny Cablier in 99, 2000. Now look, it takes time to adjust in this league. <laughs> Once again, not everybody is Sidney Crosby. Not everybody is Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, but you would know, like to see a little more opportunity to give in. Um, I think the biggest thing is that he's not on the power play unit. And if you put him on the second power play unit and look, we love Colin Blackwell probably shouldn't be on the power play. Um, he's a good player. If he's, you know, look, if you give Colin Blackwell 10 minutes a night, he contribute as a fourth line, third line guy. Great. But they got enough skill. You'd like to see, you know, that's going to add two to three minutes a night between being on the power play and then being on a few seconds after, um, you know, to get him to that you know you'd like to see him in that like 11 12 13 minute threshold as a good you know that's a good starting point and then as he gets better you move him up you know uh we've seen this with Buchnevich, we saw it with Kreider back in the day and like you know who kind of had to work his way in um, you know what are your thoughts what what are, what are you thinking right now with loft um i know some people are very frustrated with it and i could get that <laughs> yeah um but it is a bit of a simple fix for for quinn who you know Put out a quote last night saying, you know, we have, these are must win games, rolling our top six. Okay. My, my biggest gripe of the night with uh, with Quinn last night is that Hedel, Gauthier, and Lafreniere, they're buzzing, buzzing that third period. They get that goal. That's a great shift. As a coach, to me, I look at that situation and I say, okay, this is a great time to reward effort um, and say, hey, that's how you're going to have to play in the quote unquote greasy goals, which all right, you need, you need, look, it, it's a cliche, but you need some greasy goals. And if your skilled players can get you some greasy goals, that says something right there. Heedle and Lafreniere are, are definitely skill guys. Um, I would have rewarded that line. There's no reason for the next, that happened with about 15, 16 minutes ago in the third. There's no reason that line should have been rotated in and out for the next, you know, going one, two, three, one, two, three, in your line order for the next 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden that's another three and a half minutes each of those guys. You know, what are you, what are you seeing? Do you agree with that? And like, are you as frustrated as some other people?
0: Uh, Lafreniere really doesn't bother me. It it does kind of drive me nuts a little bit that people are reacting to him. I mean, I get that he's first overall, but exactly, you know, how much can you really do in however many, uh, however many minutes of ice time that you could possibly give him? Kako, I would understand though, comparing Laf to Kako, kind of what we were doing last week, like Mm -hmm. Lafreniere doesn't really bother me. Um, Kaka, I could see why, you know, the production you kind of wanted to be there, especially him being, uh, you know, such a high pick. But ultimately, no, I, I'm not worried about Lafreniere. I think just the, just the way he carries himself seems very, very mature for an 18-year-old. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, agree. we're seeing, you know, players that are, are kind of coming into their, their own now at 23, 24. I mean, this kid's 18, right? Is he 19 yet, even, or no? Not, I, not even, not even. Sorry. Yeah, born in 01. I always think about that. I saw his date of birth. Born in 2001. Insane. Insane, um, but he he has he definitely has the hockey IQ at least uh, from whatever my opinion is. Um, but that also going back to David Quinn though, yeah, I don't I don't know the thing that kind of drives me nuts about Quinn. It, it well, there's some, there's some line shuffling. Yeah, that's of course, a
1: big, that's a big issue. That's a big management? one, yeah. and
0: people have been saying that. Uh, I can't remember if that was a problem the last last year, or the year before, but particularly this year. Um, people have been complaining about the line shuffling and I've been one to do that too. And again, I think we're trying to look at it, look at it reasonably. We both like Quinn as a person, um, compared to having coach Elaine Vigneault, who was mm-hmm. full of shit every press conference. It's nice to have David Quinn kind of look you sort of in the eye through the yeah, screen. A little more, and be like, a
1: little more brutally honest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's,
0: it's hard to say if, um, the player's buy into him or not I mean they seem to uh they seem to respect him they they supposedly has a really close relationship with his players off the ice is what Sam and Joe say right speaking of Joe Micheletti though does he not (laughs) say every single game while this line this Rangers team's really got to shoot the puck more does a team pass up more opportunities less maybe we say this every year maybe it's just every fan base but this team does not take the shot at all and you tell me what you think about that because is it just a visual thing where we're just not seeing the same angles we're not talking we're not seeing where the puck is coming from what exactly is making them all pass up this these golden opportunities
1: it's a great question and like it's definitely like a fan base like you you see it a little bit more and like uh you know everyone's kind of really nitpicking or whatever so this is you know look once again the rangers had 82 shot attempts last night i want to emphasize that okay um it's there's a quality here, so I'm going to bring up the hon. There's this Ryan Strom quote that he said, I believe yesterday, um, that I just want to bring up super quick here. That's
0: my thing not loading.
1: But just talking about the difference between shot quality and quantity, right? And and you you kind of got to balance both. And the Rangers, you know, top end guys are a skilled team. So you know, here's the quote right here, and this is from Ryan Strom. Um, uh, I think sometimes we tend to shoot more for quality, not quantity. And sometimes it helps us. And sometimes it doesn't. I think, especially with our top guys, you can micromanage it. You have to trust what you see is the right play. And we're going to make the right play. So it's an interesting quote. And look, I think it comes down to, we we're just talking about, you know, a guy like Colin Blackwell compared to a guy like, you know, Lafreniere, a skill guy versus maybe a, you know, grinder role, right? Look, field the Jeppies and he's coming down the wing, buddy, put the puck on that. Like, don't overthink this. You are who you are. Colin Blackwell's got a good shot. Put the puck on net, right? Yeah. That, I think that's where we're coming at. All right, Sami Panarin, As far as I'm concerned, he can do whatever the hell he wants because I he he, he I said this this week. Outside of yarmir Yager. he's the best offensive player I've seen in his prime on the Rangers. What he does with the puck, his vision, his passing ability, um, his puck protection skills. Sometimes I don't know how he wins puck battles. For the size he is,
0: I don't know um, how he could complete some of those passes. That oh, just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Everybody is surprised when that puck, nobody's expecting it because everybody on the ice, offense and defense, is floating one way. And then here's yeah. Panarin with a backhand the other way to and a guy who's surprised that uh, was that to Blackwell? I forget. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's like sometimes it's just like, yeah, you're playing with a guy so good uh, who could see the ice like that. Like he would just surprise people. Um, you yeah. obviously did that all the time back in the day. Uh, I think you see it with Crosby sometimes guys are like, oh my how does this puck on my stick? No one should be able to get this to me. Uh, so I think it comes down to look, and then there's shoot to create. Um, it was the game the other night where La I guess it was the game against the caps where they, they kind of came back and it was kind of craziness. Gautier comes down the wing, hard, low shot, pass off pads, Lafreniere bangs in the rebound. Like that beautiful. is so simple. It was beautiful to see. Like, so a guy like Gautier, who has skill, um, he can make some power moves, but like, look, he's got a hard shot. He's a big guy. Dude, take the shot. Right. So it really depends on the player. I know that's really kind of like a 50, 50 answer. Um, But a guy like Micheletti like says that every night and that's his only like analysis, which is why I don't really care for Joe Micheletti. Um, But it's, it's give and take. And last night they, they they got a lot of shots against the Sabres team. That's great. When you're playing against the Penguins or, or you're playing, you know, the caps or the Islanders, like, you know, especially the Islanders, even though they had a crazy game last night, don't give a lot of scoring opportunities up. Like you got to be a little bit more like we need to get this puck in the net and it's going to have to be a rebound goal. Like against the Sabres, you could pull up and go back to war and like that happens, but know your opponent and know your strengths, know your ability. That's something I say a lot, play to your ability. Like, like whatever you do well, be the best at that. And for some guys, uh, I think, you know, they see you know you see Mika or Panarin or Adam Fox make these plays and it's like yo that's not you man just just dumb it down a little bit you know so yeah
0: is that a coaching aspect of it because because also too touching on the Quinn stuff and the management in game th- there seems to be a lot of dump and chase and even dump and dump a little bit in the so what exactly is the Ranger system I just I want to understand that um, from a perspective because you can, if you're kind of casually watching, like maybe a lot of people do. Um, I don't know; it's hard. It, it's it's hard for me to pick up all at once uh, what exactly the Rangers are trying to do, what kind of system, whether it be you know aggressive or you know uh, any background on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's confusing sure. so, to
1: me. I get it. Defensively, they are like light years better than last year. Jacques Martin coming in really solidifies that. And I think we're seeing the Rangers have been a pretty average to below average offensive team this year compared to last year. Uh, they're taking a lot less liberties in the defensive zone, which is why they're giving up less goals and they're playing a lot more one goal games. Right. And, but now you're sacrificing offense. So, you know, when you, when you go like trickle down effect, that doesn't really to Panarin or we're seeing Bucinevich or Kreider. and gotten it together. Like the, the skill guys are going to put up the points no matter what. Um, it affects the depth scoring, though. We talked about Brandon Lemieux. He's got to take less risks, and he doesn't necessarily have the skill or foot speed to get up ice and still create a scoring opportunity. Um, offensively, look, I think it's a clear cut. Like when Panarin or the you know the Panarin line is on the ice, um, or Mika's on the ice, looking for more of a you know drive wide, pull up, and 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 get you know have layers of offense, want offensive layers. That's, that's a, a phrase we use. Um, for the lower end guys, I, I, Quinn's an old school coach in the fact look, get it in deep, go to work. They run a hard F1, their F2 and F3 can float, so I think it's kind of like a hybrid one, two, two system from what I could judge. Um, they definitely go for a hard F1, they love a weak side wrap, they love a weak side dump. Um, that's fine. I mean, if that's what's given, you know, you got to take what's given to you. Um, and, and especially like I said, knowing your ability for a guy like Philadelphia Giuseppe to come up the ice blackwell um you know maybe not go to an extent but you know guys like that if we, if we see brett Howden back in the lineup we don't want them trying to dangle at the blue line right <laughs> and, and we want to get it behind them and go to work so once again knowing your strength um the rangers if i had an issue with the rangers in the offensive zone is um they're very perimeter um and they really look for the slot line pass and look that's great it's a high quality chance but you know you know, give and goes like where, you know, a player's on the hash mark and gives it down low and then slashes to the net. Like that's going to open up space. I don't think they do that enough. I'd love to see a guy like Kreider or, or Gautier, or look, Heedle's got size, like a little bit more getting to the net. Um, And uh, you'll get some more deflections and rebound goals, which the Rangers just don't necessarily have a lot of And Even last night. Right. Um, slot line pass goal um, on the, on the first goal slot line pass goal on the overtime winner. Uh, to see a little bit more from this team as far as getting to the net uh, and doing what they did in the second goal, uh, I think would open up a lot more space for them because it's either they are either completely perimeter and like trying to really play puck possession, which is great, or they're like you said just dump and chase and just kind of throwing the puck around the lower lines. And I think there's a there is a gap between the top end players and the depth players on this team that the best teams in the league shrink that gap. So that's what it comes down to.
0: So is Jacques Martin Martin, um, is he basically just telling the, the defense not to pinch at all? Like, is, is it more than anything that or is defensively or sorry, are forwards also defensively positioned? Um, where Where is like the difference in like a, a positioning of a forward?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, I think, you know, they're playing a little bit more of a collapse system in the D zone. So they're they're working from the inside out rather than like, you know, chasing around like remember when elaine Vino came in and you go from the tortorello system to av like that first start of the season was awful <laughs> and, and because they would like they didn't realize like how to properly chase and play a man-on-man like peter Laviolette plays a really aggressive man-on-man system yeah uh, and you could do that with a skilled team who's like experienced i think that's more for a veteran team with a younger team you work your way in you, you get to basically a box in one uh, and protect inside the dots protect the hash marks Uh, And then you work your way out and put pressure down. So what the Rangers uh, wingers want to do is get that puck up high. They want to come inside, force the puck down low. They get a pin in the corner and then they can get a clean breakout. So uh, I think their gaps have been better this year when taking zone entries. They still back up way too much for my money. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's give and take with both teams. And I think they're just being a little bit more conservative as far as jumping routes and the, of that nature, which as we saw last year would leave them very exposed to backdoor plays, you know, high scoring games. Um, you're seeing a lot less of that this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been uh, been somewhat of a uh, resurgence.
1: Oh, absolutely. Here, um, and, and it's talk about resurgence, um, you know, Igor Shesterkin coming back and has been great, um, but according to our friend Larry Brooks from the New York Post, he's not so sure. Uh, Larry he,
0: Brooks, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking.
1: ticking. The, 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 I have the article in front of me here. Literally, the headline: "Clock is ticking for Rangers Igor Shesterkin <laughs> to prove he's their heir apparent." Okay, I just want to bring this up real quick. So this is from uh, Jay Fresh Hockey. Uh, who writes early prospects now as well. He's great. So Igor Shisterkin is in the top 10 for starting goaltender save percentage above expected in five-on-five five this year. He was in the top 10 last year. He has been very good, folks. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, and according to Uncle Larry over there, uh, you know, he's got to prove his spot, and the clock is ticking. This guy, Larry Brooks is something else. Let me tell you. Okay? This guy uh, Thanks. This guy <laughs> this guy's
0: um,
1: He just – and then two days later, he writes. So he goes, "Oh, the Rangers rightfully riding Igor, you know, to for our playoff run." I'm like, "Dude, make up your mind." Yeah, like he's a clickbait yeah. guy. He's an exactly. old school guy. It's like exactly. Exactly. Don't click always. it. Don't
0: click it. If you're listening, just don't you're not, Don't him. click the New York Post Larry Brooks article no, because it's just—it's just, it's all clickbait. He knows what he's doing. He has—he
1: knows what he's doing, and it's just like the same crap over and over again. And he's just looking to get that. If you're looking for Ranger people to follow, obviously plug in Blue Seat Blogs. Follow us over there. But you know, Shayna Goldman is fantastic. Fantastic. she's probably i think she's the maybe the best i think molly walker does a good job uh vince met i don't know how to pronounce his last name but he's think, very good i too. think it's
0: Mercagliano.
1: Mercagliano. that's it that's it yeah i think you're right <laughs> there. Think um,
0: i'm, I'm like, not sure no he's I, I, a diamond in a rough i always say that that's he's, it. he's a really good one so
1: and i think the rangers lost a lot with uh sean harnett used to be great too for cbs sports and he he right. left the, uh, then this year he's doing some other stuff uh, he was great so we miss him a lot too um a guy like Larry Brooks, we talk about Carpinello. He's another, to quote Dan Boyle and that <laughs> other clown. Um, um, I, like, that's what these guys do. And so, like, look, Igor is fine. He is very, very good goalie. Um, and, and look, I keep saying this, like, He's still an RFA this year. Um, we just saw that uh, Thatcher Demko contract out in, uh, in, in Vancouver, five years, about $5 million. It's probably pretty comparable to what you can get for him. And if anything, some injury – look, you want him to stay healthy, obviously. But some injuries and maybe a little bit of lack of team success might knock down that cap hit a little bit too. So long-term – don't be worried about Igor. Don't listen to, to Uncle Larry over there. Right? I tell
0: you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some honorable Larry Brooks takes we have. Believe, uh, I asked Twitter, and, I, and I'm going to credit on um, Twitter later in a little bit, but, I'll, you know, sorry if I don't credit you here right this second. But you know, honorable Larry Brooks mentions uh, trading Stepan for David Backus. That's a good one. Uh, Buchnevich for Zach Hyman. That's fairly, oh, recent. god,
1: that was one of his favorites. Uh,
0: obviously, all the torch, though, i got plenty of replies for that. But then you you might, we might actually get one of his world famous DMs now. Um, somebody, oh, please me, DM us. Please yeah, DM please us. DM us, Larry. Somebody, he said, take a hike, son, and then block somebody. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think the clocks, the clock is ticking on Igor. That's probably peak, Larry Brooks. Not to mention, uh, a couple of uh, well. Not more than a couple. It's probably more than a few, even to say, of, of articles about Tony D'Angelo post tantrum, uh, tantrums with an S at the end. Uh, he had an article here on February 4th that says Rangers could have Tony D'Angelo trade partner. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe trade that by time. Tony D comes back. I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. But then the infamous Tony D'Angelo bears his soul in first comments since Rangers' exile. And uh, I think we all threw up in our mouths a little bit. So nonetheless, Uncle Larry uh, doing his thing over at the New York Post. I'm glad we can talk about it. And I'm glad that Rangers Twitter is aware of this because uh, kind of piggybacking off Rangers Twitter generally, um, you know, lately it's been I think what makes it so fun for us is that um, it really does enhance the, the fan experience when we have. The, this community of people that are, you know, whether it be the memes or the podcasts, or, it's great to have a, a real funny young group of of hockey fans uh, on Twitter. And it, it's a great time. I, I love interacting with people. Oh, these. yeah. I mean, these it's cool a great again.
1: there. It's, it's a blast. Yeah. Andrew with Base Shesty. I mean, he, I, Shesty, I, King I laugh. Nick. Yeah, He's great. great. I think Fitz is funny. I think all those guys are great. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it keeps it engaging. Like, you know, we all love the Rangers and I love the Rangers as much as, as anything, but you know, you, 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 want them to be successful, but you know, to be able to kind of have a laugh about it too, is, 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 is important. That's it's kind of the point of sports here. Speaking of, of laughs here, we have uh, a good laugh of a tweet from an old friend here, Ranger fans uh, Brandon Dubinsky coming <laughs> a notorious Sidney <laughs> Crosby hater. Okay. And, and he hated Crosby back in the day, went after him one time for going after Lundquist. He got after him in a, in a, a, uh, a post-game interview or intermission report one time. So Brandon Dubinsky, uh, hasn't played in the NHL for a couple of years. He's still, I think on long-term IR. I think his contract's technically up this year. So I'd imagine he'll officially retire once that's up He's
0: the, Only, only they, 34. I didn't realize he, I know. Was 34.
1: I, he came up with the Rangers when he was like 20. So it's just kind of funny when those people in your lives for so long, you don't realize how kind of young they are in retrospective. Yeah. Um, so Sydney comparing Sydney Crosby to Alex Ovechkin, both players, um, played for 16 years. Um, so, and in, in, let's just go through the stats here. And Crosby's only paid, uh, you know, 1,020 games. He had those injuries. Uh, he has 1,303 points in that time span. Ovi with 1,184 games in that time span, 1,309. So, a few more points. Obviously, uh, Crosby more of an assist guy. But talking about Ovi's goals. Listen, Crosby is better than me. I never said he wasn't. He's obviously one of the best ever. It was Ovi versus Sid. None of you played in the NHL. and know how hard it is to score goals in the NHL seven hundred and twenty four is insane Sid just whined way too much and Ovi just shut up and played hard Brandon Dominski from the top ropes here just taking one last shot at Sid the kid yeah um, What? what's your initial reactions to that
0: dude it's so funny I mean uh, he, he's very bitter he sounds very bitter uh his he fellow hurt, I didn't realize Alaskans um had such hatred in their I in know. their hearts but uh no I mean do be great ranger man uh, he he's a you know what? It reminds me of him just kind of coming from a different era. He was just a different type of player. He was. He was such I a Portarella type player. He was. I agree. And uh, yeah, I think we all have a, a special place in our hearts for Duby. It's it's interesting. It's it, it's such a different era of Rangers hockey, um, where it was less finesse and it was way more you know black and blue shirts. So it just such it reminds me of the scrappy teams. I mean, who could forget that? You know, Girardi, Callahan, Dubinsky, and yeah, even Anisimov, and... who just cleared waivers, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, So, uh, good times, I guess. It makes you think of the good times. He never really um, got going in Columbus, but,
1: He was good for a few years, and just like Callahan and Girardi and all these guys before him, like, they played so hard, their bodies broke down, right? And that's what happened with Duby. Look, I'll say this. um, uh, Jeff Merrick, who's a great follow on the 31 Thoughts podcast, he acknowledged, like, he quote-tweeted this and said, like, he doesn't think it's that hot of a take only because he goes – I remember listening to this podcast. They had Crosby on last year at some point. And even Crosby acknowledged. He's like, I was, I whined way too much in my first like two, three years, and like I think he's, you know, matured and stuff. Look, Ranger fans, you can hate any Crosby all you want. Uh, you know, I, I, I do look at things maybe a bit of a different perspective. Crosby's as good as I've ever seen in his prime. Um, Absolute ranger killer, but you know what a hockey player. And he's done a lot for the game. I and you, they they so, to him
0: on the bench. He never looks tired. He's just like, oh what nah, he's you a freak. Yeah, he's, he's a fitness a freak.
1: Um, he's he's unbelievable. Um, so uh, funny little tweet there from yeah. from from Doobie. Um but as far as know, the
0: whining too about about Crosby, too, To Honestly, we've been watching, we've played a lot of Sidney Crosby over the years. We have not seen that in a long time. We haven't. No, he's seen got it a million
1: times better. Yeah. a million times better, and he's acknowledged that. That's what I'm saying. Like Jeff Mayer, like he acknowledged that he he used to he used to whine too much, and you know, his first year he had 100 penalty minutes, and and so like he's moved away from that and just is a more stoic and and quiet leader. And and you know, look good. You you you're mature. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You come in as an 18 year old. I'm how mature were we at all at 18? You know, we're different people. So who
0: who was the coach when he came up? Was it Tarian? Uh, who, who uh, Crosby? Yeah. When he, when he, what, or not, it was not Terry. Is it Terry? I think
1: I've, if I believe correctly here, Terry was there, but, uh, I believe Eddie Olchuk was his first coach. If my memory serves. Wow, okay. Eddie was the first, was a coach of the penguins that year. I'm going to five oh six penguins. Uh, yeah. Eddie Olchuk was the coach and then he got fired and then Terry was there. Uh, and then Terry was the coach all the way up Terry So Terry brought them to that. seven, Oh eight cup. Yeah. And if you remember that 0809 team was struggling halfway through the year, they fired Terry and brought in Dan Bylsma, and they went right. up going all the way to win that cup. So uh, yeah, uh, Eddie Olchuk was actually Crosby's first coach, oddly enough. And uh, you know, that first year they struggled a bit and then got it together pretty quickly. So look, the funny tweet from Doobie, hope he's doing well, but uh, you know, it just sounds a little bitter, man. It's all good. Yeah. It's <laughs> over. It's in the past. Let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. We're, we're good. all good here. Um, funny. Uh, so wrapping up here, folks, we're going to, not, not quite done, but uh, we got, I think, some fun little, uh, little tidbits here. So we talked a little bit about Larry Brooks and Doobie. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Lafreniere. Jake, what is Rangers Twitter freaking out about this week? Really freaking out about this week? Because Rangers uh-huh. Twitter is, uh, is, is, is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We some compliments. Sometimes it's chaos. Uh, after a win so what do you think what has ranger twitter been freaking out about the most this week i, I would say for me i think the lot of funnier ice time has been the big debate right uh, i think that's been the one that like everyone is freaking out i brought up that tweet and like, i get it like i get it he needs to be playing more like there's no doubt in my mind he needs to be playing more it's an issue with quinn um would you would you say that's the number one as far as uh as the trending page would go
0: yeah i don't even think it's it matters if it's week two or if it's week 35 like people are gonna yeah. be complaining about ice time uh nonstop. but i do agree with you because you brought up the point uh, a little earlier in this that um now it's starting to be a little concerning later in the season that lap is. is not getting as much ice time but uh yeah i would say so they're freaking out it's the brooks article little little freak out amongst the Lemieux trade but i think ultimately there's not a too much there's not too much commotion um right now Cause we're exactly. winning. We're winning a little bit. Yeah. We're uh, playing
1: good hockey. Well, yeah, we were talking, we want to have some fun. So I think it'd be a great one here folks. And we're going to get you involved here on Twitter. We want to hear your feedback and all this stuff. See if you like it random Ranger of the week. So uh, me and Jake have both come up with a guy and we're going to share him. And, and our criteria is pretty much had to play less than a hundred games for the Ranger. I think that's really all we're looking for. We're looking for guys that we haven't thought about in years Maybe they played one game. Maybe they played 99. But who's a guy who who hasn't been around for a while? I was going through hockey reference, just going through some teams, and I hadn't thought about this guy probably since he got traded. My random Ranger of the Week, Rem Murray. That is Raymond Rem (laughs) Rem (laughs) Murray, folks. Exactly. And you should have that reaction right now. Rem Murray, a little bit. Rem Murray played 43 games for the New York Rangers between the 0102 one 2 season when he was acquired from a trade <laughs> from the Edmonton Oilers and to the 0 2 uh, season. Um, and, and in 43 games, he put up an immaculate 15 points and wow. was later traded to Nashville. So here are the two trades he was involved with. March 19, 2002. Traded to uh, – uh, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, March 19, 2002. Uh, traded to the New York Rangers by Edmonton with Tom Pody for oh, Mike God. York. And a New York Ranger fourth round choice in the 2202 draft. Um, so he finished up the, that season there. Um, actually was okay at the end of the stretch there for the Rangers, um, you know, putting up a few points. But then he didn't even make it till uh, a, a calendar year later because on December 12, 2002, traded to Nashville with Thomas Klochek and Merrick Zidlicki, oddly enough, he was a prospect that time, for, ready for this one, Mike Dunham. Yeah, uh, yes. love, yes. love
0: Mike Dunham. Mike Dunham.
1: Mike <laughs> Dunham. So random Ranger era. of the week. Yeah, my Connell's random Ranger of the week. Forty-three game Ranger legend Rem Murray is the wow. pick of the week.
0: I got a good one, but that that's really obscure. So I'm so, going to
1: try to get really obscure with it. So, okay, uh, all right. It. Who you got?
0: This gentleman uh, was expected to replace. He was going to be a cheaper replacement for a player that ultimately we couldn't pay. Uh, left as a restricted free agent. So this guy, though the my random ranger of the week, we have 19 games played, we have zero goals, oh. three assists, oh boy. and two penalty minutes. <laughs> so my random ranger of the week is a guy by the name of Emerson Edom. Oh, Emerson Edom! Oh a, man, oh. Number 96.
1: Oh, I, I had so much high hopes for Emerson Edom. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Emerson Edom?
0: Well, so, I mean, there's really, there's, there's not a lot to say. Too much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the only thing, he actually was drafted 29th overall by the Ducks, mm. uh, scored his first goal on March 18th, 2013. Um, but yeah, it did seem like his name was popping up a lot more, like during that, that window, I guess, because he was a first overall pick. But the only other really major thing that happened in his career was he was traded to the Rangers. Along with the second-round pick in exchange for Carl Haglin and yeah. two other draft picks in the 2015 draft, he made the team, but ultimately only played into December, and then he was waived and picked up by Vancouver.
1: I Think so? Yeah. Or was yeah. Vancouver. Traded to Vancouver. Or something. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. That was. Uh, I was excited about um, Emerson Edom. Like I, 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 I thought it was a, it was a good trade, and they couldn't pay Haglin, and 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 I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. He's just kind of phased out. I don't even know. He never even had more
0: than 40 games played really in a season so I uh, you know I don't know if that's injury I don't know if that's just going up and I mean he actually I mean his AHL numbers of course are going to be impressive right he's got like North Pole Admirals uh, he's got 24 goals 30 assists 54 points in 50 games so I mean (laughs) point per game player in the AHL uh, just doesn't work out sometimes but he actually now. Let's see. Look at this.
1: Hunt, so, I can't believe this. Are you looking at what this league he's playing in? I've I I've never heard of this.
0: I, I have not, but I see he's co- he's head coach and general manager. I don't know what it is though.
1: <laughs> what? Oh, I, the last last year he played in the White Mud Hockey League. I, it, somewhere in Canada. There's only four teams in the league. Oh my god. What is like? This guy's too good. He, like he should be at least playing in Europe or something. This is like a basically like a, a men's league or something. I don't even know what this is. So now a, yeah. decent AHL numbers. There's no reason he could have had a decent career in Europe. But I guess if he didn't want to go, I guess that's like just. Oh yeah. So let's see team profile. On he is coaching.
0: Yeah, the North oh, American NA
1: three. Okay, yeah. so I I know this league. Um, okay. The Missoula Junior Bruins. They're in um, they're in Missoula, Montana. Uh, the NA three is like a, a development league for the NA, which is the North American Hockey League, which mm-hmm. is uh the second best uh, junior league probably in the United States less than the USHL. There are some, you know, a lot of D1 players, some D3 players and even some NHL prospects out of the NA, but he's in like a tier below that. Wow. He's coaching. that's nuts that he's coaching Missoula. That's pretty he's crazy, coaching and he's general
0: manager. So. He's yeah, good control. for him.
1: Well, good for him. <laughs> Maybe I'll cross paths with him at some point And yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk some prospects here. Yeah, that'd be uh, good. That was a good one. That yeah. was a good Emerson Eatham, man. Yeah, he just right, my best. never panned out. I I I wanted to like him too, but it just uh it just never really worked out for him. Yeah. Um we'll uh we'll stick with we're gonna do one more thing here, folks. We're gonna try this for stealing this a little bit from uh shout-out puck soup. Um, but they don't own the rights to this, so why the heck not? And we figured we could kind of get a little more specific as far as rangers go so. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite to wrap up the show here. Uh, we figured the first couple will kind of do some ranger stuff related, um, as specific or non-specific as we want. You can get to know us a little bit better. And then as we go down the line, we can get as broad as we really want to. So we we'll talked before the show, but we figured we'll give you a little insight to, to our fandom here. And we decided to go overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Ranger games that we were in attendance for. In attendance for is 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 the uh, the kicker here so um we'll start let's let's start least favorite to, to, we'll go negative first um i have two that are like kind of neck and neck um uh, jake I, i'll let you start so what do you have for the least favorite ranger game that you have unfortunately probably spent too much money going to
0: oh i have good i specifically you know i have a very good answer for that so i have a i have two also that are really bad one though is worse than the other so yeah, i have yeah. 2016, looking at the schedule here, February or February, uh, April 21st, 2016, that would be game four against Pittsburgh oh. five, nothing loss.
1: Oh, brutal. Uh,
0: so that was, that was no good. I mean, we got spanked that year anyway, but, uh, yeah, the wallet hurt. That's a good 300 bucks down the drain. Oh, something like absolutely. To but...
1: not even see a goal score. That's, that's yeah. never a fun time. Playoffs.
0: tough. It's tough. Uh, that one. And then I, there's a six, two loss to the Tampa Bay lightning the year before. Um, I think it was game two
1: game two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, So those were stinkers. Uh, pretty well here. So I got I got a couple here. So at least I got like kind of two tied here. So, uh, the next one's probably worse. The first one's not probably as bad as the uh, the next one because it wasn't a playoff game, but talk about a stinker. And the reason I remember this is because uh, I'm going to tell a funny story after words, uh, November 27th, 2016, the Rangers lost two nothing to the Ottawa Senators Mm -hmm. in one of the most low event games I've ever seen in my life. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I remember
0: that. I remember that. Wow. And And people were saying on Twitter, they were like, I I think that was the worst game I ever watched. I think I remember that. That's
1: great. Me and my brother were there, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was just so bad. And after the game, we're walking back. I think I met him from work so maybe I, I drove to the game and like he took the train or something like that and I was like hey I you know I parked and uh and I was like I'll you know I'll drive us back and after the game there's a, a little girl walking with her dad and it had a sign that said this is uh, my first ever ranger game like let's go rangers something oh, like that and no. I go to her and I'm like that was your first game and she's like yeah and I'm like I'm so sorry like that was <laughs> I'm like, I promise they're usually better than that, but I'm like, this was terrible. And the dad was laughing at me and like, he was like, ah, I'm getting her prep for all the disappointments she will eventually face. So that's one. And then playoff game also against the Penguins, but 2014 game four, when they went down three, one, Now obviously they came back on this series. That game was awful. They were exhausted. They played like five games in like eight days. Cause the schedule was crazy. Uh, they lost only four, two, if, they hadn't scored the Haglin scored early in the second period, but they hadn't scored in two games at that point. Like as soon as the penguins went up two one, you were like, Oh crap. And then they went up three, one, you're like, this is over. And Zuckerberg yeah. scored kind of a fluky goal, but it was just demoralizing. I was convinced um, that we were not going to, that was it. Like probably the last game I was going to be at uh, for that playoff run. Obviously they go to the cup um, and, and it was just an ugly game. Uh, I was in a Wendy's after the game with my buddy and my brother um and there was a, a person there asking if dan girardi was related to joe girardi uh, <laughs> and i was just like i was like i don't have time for this right now i'm yeah. so angry can we just like i don't know i, I no, they're not related
0: yeah okay. yeah um, i was so, there for that too i was there for that and i think the lowest uh, point right you know nash and saint louis when they're touching the puck they're getting booed
1: yeah um, i was there I, for that I, I, I know it was, it was not good. It was not a pretty sight. Uh, I'll never forget walking sight.
0: out with all the, you know, the Penguins fans that are chanting and, and just the, the down in the dumps Ranger fans and, and walking out and there's Penguins fans yelling at us from cabs and shit. Like, oh, you know, it really felt like it was over. It really felt. It really like did. It,
1: was over. it really felt like it was over. So we'll go least favorite to a favorite, a quick turnaround here though. Favorite. Um, what was your favorite Ranger game you've ever been to Jake?
0: my favorite i have a very very special place in my heart for um brad richards uh 6.6 to go uh uh, because i don't think i had gone to so many games with my dad growing up and and this was my first real experience with uh real intense playoff hockey Uh and that game another example um that game felt so over when that when they're down Uh and uh, Joel Ward, I believe, takes a high sticking penalty yep, and seconds, everybody sarcastically was like, great, great. There's a, there's a four minute minor, you know, 20 seconds left or whatever it was. And uh, I had never seen a building erupt the way it did when they yeah. tied the game, when they won it, that's a whole nother story. But when they tied the game in particular, everybody was standing up already just cuz final 20 seconds mm-hmm. here we go and just the the, the reaction at the, uh, the old garden before the renovations just to see people absolutely slamming the side of the of the old wall up in the nosebleeds i used to sit mm-hmm. section 405 which is now 225 you you um you used to be able to stand up and you'd hit the ceiling so anytime yeah. something would could happen whether it be something good something bad if it's a goal given up fuck, somebody slammed the top of it but it, that was just such a common day i'll never forget that people slamming this um, and you know, people were running, jumping up and down the stairs. It was really the most chaotic I'd ever seen. I'd never been in person for like a fan event. So I love that. And then Stahl wins every a kind of almost an unexpected shot, just a nothing, you know, John Mitchell face off back to the point, Mark Stahl scores and everybody jumps up and out of the chairs, but particularly, yeah, 6.6 to go Brad Richards. That's definitely my favorite. I think
1: that is, uh, I was at that game too. That was, that's my runner up. Um, awesome. I, I was sitting yeah, so that year was weird. They had started the renovations, So, like, the lower bowl was sort of done, but you still had, like, the upper. So I was in, um, I think, the old section, 307, and, like, kind of in the corner. So my angle, I saw it, like, hit the post first, and then I saw it go in. It was like <gasps> And then it went yeah. in. And I never forget there's these two larger Italian then and one guy not COVID kosher now kissed me right on the lips. He was so excited. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, I love love you it. like that's so and like funny. You said, that's good. And like you said, like we were all, cause the power play and they scored on that same power play to win an overtime. So we were still standing up. This, the stall goal was like, I was like basically almost on the goal line of that corner. So I saw it perfectly. And that was right there. I thought forever that'd be my number one. Uh, this is a bit of a more an emotional pick, but I was there for Marty San Luis scoring on mother's day. Mm-hmm. Um, That was like, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. I yeah. very nope. And I, I've written about this before. Um, no problem saying this. I, I am not a religious person. I can th- consider myself an atheist. If there was ever anything in my mind as divine intervention, like the fact it goes off his shin pat. And like, I started crying, like everyone did. Yeah. And like, They won game five in such dominating fashion. And like, that was such a good, and we talked about this before, like sitting with a good crowd, like in your section, if you've got good fans with you, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, they're hooting and hollering, just like knowledgeable fans. And that means a lot to me. And we, 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 were with some good fans and you know, that goal goes in and like, it was in a, the Marty chance started before the game. Like it was like everyone rallied around Marty San Luis mm. and that, he only played a year and a half for the Rangers. He's one of my favorite Rangers ever, probably a lot for that moment. So, you know, mother's day in New York, the puck goes in. And then I, I said this to my dad, um, Hagelin comes down and scores after. And I was like, they are winning this series. Yeah. And like, even that game seven, I wasn't nervous. I was like, "There's no way they are losing this thing now." I was so convinced, and and that game seven, I think that was the greatest game Henrik Lundqvist ever played. But, yep. um That so that Marty San Luis goal was just like, as much as the adrenaline for the Richards install, like just the pure, just like man, this is like you could just feel how special it was. That's always going to be my favorite. Um, and you know, I, I, it, it was it was awesome there. So underrated, overrated now. Um over well we'll finish with a positive w- with underrated. So we'll go overrated. Overrated ranger game. This is an interesting one. It, we we debated this before we started and we weren't really sure how to categorize overrated. But then I came up, I think, with a good answer. So what do you have for overrated?
0: You go first, because I'm still kind of thinking.
1: Yeah. So my overrated look, I've been to three of the four outdoor games. Um, they're a great experience, they're a lot of fun. I was in the one in Philly. I saw the Devils one at Yankee Stadium. The only reason this is overrated is because it was so damn cold. And also it's like the last good moment of the 2017 18 season was the, the outdoor game against the Sabres. I've been to a lot of Ranger games. So I'm not really sure how to describe them as overrated, but just in hindsight, you're like, wow, that was like the last high moment of the season. Where like, after that, you know, the letter comes out like five weeks later, four weeks (laughs) later, whatever it is like, It was just like that, like the last little niche. And it was, dude, it was so cold. And the beer froze before the game. The only thing that kept me warm was I had snuck in a water bottle of some Jack Daniels. (laughs) Uh, And and so that was keeping me a little warm and toasty, if you know what I mean. Uh, they They ran out of coffee and hot chocolate. So it was like, as much as those are fun experiences, like, dude, it was cold. It was a cold long day. And like I said, in hindsight, it was kind of the last like moment for that team before they blew it all up so i'm into a lot of other games i'm not sure how i could describe them as overrated if they won the game you know what i mean but like uh yeah that was just in hindsight probably a little overrated
0: yeah i guess if i had to go overrated i'm gonna go that's definitely a great answer because i've never been but it's that's what everybody says about winter classics and stadium series it's like it's fun you know but you experience is great, is great.
1: Uh, but, if you know, thankfully the Rangers have won all the ones they've been in. But if, you know, if it's it really cold like that, you know, I could see how it could kind of ruin the experience.
0: I got so overrated. I, the only thing I, I could really come up with, I'm looking at, like, the history of the schedule. I remember I was at a game where, and I can't remember the year, but Haglin was still on the team. It was a Haglin overtime winner. Uh, it was a game against Ottawa. They stunk it up. Whole game. Oh, not yeah, a very terrible. memorable game not a very memorable game but yes it was like this beautiful step on backhand yeah. and and yeah. then like a haggling backhand tip and it, and my dad was trash and haggling the whole game so he was, yeah. he was he was just like this guy has no hands and this guy can't finish and i just yeah. look at him i was like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> that <laughs> but, was uh that was 14 15 and what i'll yeah. say about that team is this is maybe a weird take this might actually that's a good pick because if this makes sense that year wasn't very fun as a fan because the pressure was on like 13 14 was a magical run 11 12 was kind of unexpected 14 15 was like cup or bust and it was like the regular season really didn't mean that much yeah that game i think step on might have tired it late or something too and they won it overtime but i do remember that game because you're just like okay like they should have beat the crap out of it almost like last night with the sabers right like if you're at that game okay cool it's an overtime winner but it's like we should have beat the hell out of this team and yeah. I had to go to overtime for this. And I missed my train. Like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> it's like one of those things. Uh, that's a good pick. Actually. I do remember that game. Uh, it was I, either right before, or right after the all-star break that year, but yeah, they played terrible and you know, Lundqvist steals the game. And yeah, of course um, uh, underrated here, underrated. Um, do you have one here Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I
0: do, I, I do have an underrated one underrated to me, a game that, kind of falls through the cracks. I think same year, actually that, um, when Anthony Duclair game against the Minnesota wild, oh, yes. Rangers come back in the third, they're down three, nothing. And they just absolutely took over the game. And I believe they won five, three, six, three, or no, the, the wild scored again, too. They, yeah, they won yeah. five,
1: four. I think they yeah. got an empty netter and make it six, four, but, um,
0: crazy game. Yeah. That one was great.
1: I remember watching that on TV and that's actually one of my favorite, like Sam Rosen calls ever when like, uh, you know, Duclair comes down, scores, ties the game. Everyone's going nuts. And then they scored right up like 18 seconds later, Zuc- and like it, just the way he screamed it. Like I was, yeah. in, I was in my apartment at school in Syracuse and I was going nuts and like, uh, you know, Brassard just threw it and they banged it in. So yeah, that mm-hmm. was a, that, that, that's a great call. That I was trying to think of like regular season games that fall through the cracks like that. And like you know, to have a big comeback or tie it late and win it, like those are always fun. So Great pick there. Um, I have two for underrated. One, I don't know if it's underrated, but I, I just got to say it. So, two underrated. One is the last game of the 2010 11 season, McDonough's mm-hmm. first bowl against the Devils.
0: I was there too. That was you like, were probably there, right? Yeah. We,
1: we, yeah, I was there. Yeah. And um, we talk about how, like, this season is like you could see the seeds being planted, right? Like, that whole year, that team was so hardworking, probably overachieved a little bit, maybe didn't deserve it, but. You know they they win that game and then they have to have Tampa beat Carolina like later that night to go to the playoffs and like that was just a fun game to be at because it was uh, you know a great atmosphere and it was like the young team like you knew the steps were coming and then they signed Richard that summer and then I, though my outright I know this sounds ridiculous but like it's the highlight moment in my you know I was born three months before the Rangers won the cup I don't remember it uh game six when they won the conference finals I was there and it's somehow underrated to me because i just like that feeling of knowing like when they you know dominating more scores that goal and you know they hang on to win one nothing even though they dominated i would to get another game they probably should have i think they have has only had like three or four shots in the third yeah just that moment and like it's underrated once again in hindsight because you realize how hard it is to get back there and yep. you know to not finish the job sucks but like you know just to kind of a you got to appreciate the journey a little bit. So that's like my appreciating the journey, even though they didn't win the cup and get the job done to be able to say, I was at the biggest Ranger game with the past 27 years. I'm 27. So since game seven of the cup, um, that's probably the biggest Ranger game they ever played. So I'd say weirdly enough, in hindsight, it's a little bit underrated.
0: Absolutely. And those teams too, uh, I'll never forget rooting for that. I mean, just to have a modern era of exciting, intense Rangers hockey and, and yeah. some unbelievable playoff games and, Peak quest, peak Carey Price, um, yeah. nothing but nothing better, man. I couldn't agree more. But uh, I guess that kind of just about wraps it up for us. That's about an hour. Uh, well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Subscribe and leave some opinions uh, for us, some hot takes if you want us to discuss some things. I am your host, Jake Albee, along with my my friend.
1: Coach McGill, sorry, Coach Connell- <laughs> I saw the point and I missed it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh,
0: we never rehearsed it, but yeah, it's, it's all, all good. good. We'll, Thanks we'll so much for ahead. listening, guys. Appreciate it. See you guys next time.